On this episode of FieldLink, we're going to visit with Josh Byford. He's the brand manager for the Coron brands at Helena. Josh is going to visit about Coron Metra and what Metra can bring to your crop this growing season. Then we'll shoot over to Nashville, Tennessee and visit with Jody Lawrence, and he's going to share some insider information about the latest uh, planting report from the USDA and how it could impact your grain markets. And then finally, we're going to wrap things up with uh, Katie Meesey. Katie is going to share some information as it relates to adjuvants. You know, adjuvants is one of those things that's often, you know, just overlooked. And Katie's going to break down the differences of adjuvants and how uh, it can definitely impact the performance of the products that you're applying this growing season. Stay tuned for FieldLink. For many growers across the nation this season, it's been a careful balancing act of securing traditional nitrogen uh, and getting it applied in a timely manner due to many of the challenges that Mother Nature has thrown our way. In some regions of the U.S., uh, we've had plenty of moisture, and in some cases, too much, uh, while in other regions, a lack of moisture is certainly prevalent. No matter your situation, all crops need nitrogen. And one of the most efficient ways to provide this much-needed nutrient is via foliar applications. When the crop demands the nutrient, be ready with these types of products. With us today is Josh Bryford. Josh is the brand manager for Helena for the Coron Brands. Josh, welcome to FieldLink. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Josh, uh, you know, uh, lots going on. Obviously, we're right in the thick of things with uh, the growing season across the country. Uh, lots of crops from east to west are certainly happening. But, you know, before we start diving into, you know, the importance of nitrogen, this nutrient, very, very important for all crops. Josh, tell us a little bit about your background. Where's home? And, uh, you know, t- tell us how uh, you got here to be the brand manager for the Coron Brands. Absolutely, Bill. So, I, uh, Hernando, Mississippi is home. Um, grew up in Mississippi, born and raised, um, Mississippi State University graduate. I think you've had now a couple of us on the podcast. Um, started my career with Helena as a, as a products manager, um, providing that day-to-day support to our field sales team. Uh, did that for six years and then actually spent three years in retail sales in Mississippi as well. Oh, wow. Um, really provided invaluable experience to me to bring into this role um, interacting with our customers day to day, living, uh, you know, the struggles that they live and, and helping them overcome those. Um, I've now going into my fourth year as a brand manager of our Coron and nutritional products. And, um, you know, no different than our sales team goes through every day. It's, it's a new challenge every day. And, and I love every minute of it. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, you talk about every year is a little different. That's what they call it, 40 seasons. You know, most growers, most farmers get about 40 seasons, right? Yeah, and right. every year is a little bit different. And I think it's really good, uh, you know, Josh, as a brand manager uh, of, of a product like Coron, to have that true field experience. You know, you have had the opportunity to work with farmers on a day-to-day basis. You referenced that. Uh, having the, uh, you know, the ability to, you know, kind of walk in their shoes a little bit. Absolutely. That's really important. And and it's exciting that a lot of our brand managers certainly have that experience. Well, Josh, let's get on to uh, Coron Metra and tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, nitrogen is definitely one of the most three critical nutrients for all crops. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about Coron Metra and the unique formulation that it provides to this, uh, you know, for this critical piece of uh, nutrients, uh, nitrogen. That's very important. 
Well, Coron Metro, as you mentioned, Bill, is a really a critical com- component of, of what Helena brings from a nitrogen management standpoint. Coron Metro was developed and launched, or was fully launched in 2018, um, really to build upon a, a very large and robust Coron portfolio that we've had now for a, for a number of years. Um, the value that Coron Metro brings to our Coron portfolio is the addition of ENC formulation technology. Um, throughout our time with, with our Coron portfolio, we've, we, we know the experience. We, we know the end result of those products. We know how to use them in a nitrogen management program. But we were able to take ENC formulation technology and really boost um, that efficiency and gain for our customers up um, to really a level that, uh, you know, it really sets it apart in the market today. Mm, yeah, and, and I think it's really important for our listeners to know that, you know, Coron as a base product, it's been around for a really long time. Absolutely. It was really, help me understand, I believe it was the first foliar nitrogen that was really, I guess, broadly produced across the world, really. Absolutely. So so we have a, a very, very long track record w- with technology such as Coron and, and control release foliar fertilizers. Um, we, we first were introduced to these products back in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, wow. And everything was branded over to Coron within Helena in 1998 as the first full year. So you're talking 23, 24 years um, of full service with Coron, with the Coron portfolio. Wow. And I, I think that's important for our listeners to know that 23, 24 years of growing years, right, uh, to, to experience the ups and downs of how this product can work and, and, you know, where its best fit is. And it just sounds like we've got a lot of experience in this place. We absolutely do. And you go back to your comment earlier, the 40 seasons, you yeah. know, so so Coron has endured, endured quite a number of seasons, um, trials and tribulations and, and helping our customers manage their fertility programs and is still here today. And you referenced growing uh, 2021 was a great year for Coron, uh, mm-hmm. really grew that business and, and, and helped our customers to, to manage their fertility needs. You know, Josh, you talked a little bit about uh, the, the newer formulation, Coron Metro, with the ENC formulation technologies. D- d- tell us a little bit more. What What is ENC formulation technology and really what value does it really bring to a grower? Well, ENC formulation technology um, – really falls right in line with some of the same story that, that I shared with on Coron from a years of use standpoint. We have used this technology package in quite a number of our foliar nutritional products. Um, and the value that it brings to, to any foliar nutritional, but particularly Metro as we're talking today, is the ability to enhance the nutrient uptake from a foliar standpoint of that product. Mm-hmm. Um, so we took a product in Coron that highly efficient as it is, added the ENC formulation technology, and we're able to boost that foliar uptake to a higher level than we've seen before. Not to mention, uh, we have a blend of growth enhancement compounds built within this technology package. Um, So now we can provide something that's more than just nitrogen. We can bring that customer the nitrogen management that he needs, but also more than just nitrogen with the with the growth enhancement compounds and and the really the overall better handling and tank mix compatibility you get with this product. Yeah, and I think that's a really important factor with the ENC formulation technology added into Coron Metra. Uh, it, it has it brings a lot of extra, I guess, sum it up, goodies, if you will, for 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 the grower, but also for that plant right. and. Uh, uh, 
you referenced from a handling standpoint, this this formulation is a little easier to handle. Is that accurate? That's correct. So routinely, and, and really one of the the major benefits of, of utilizing Coron as part of a nitrogen management program is you can align that with applications across the field that you're already making, crop protection mm-hmm. products, fungicides, insecticides, and even herbicides in some cases. And having the ENC formulation technology, one of the big attributes of it is increased tank mix compatibility. We, you know, we've got to have a, an easy-to-use product, an easy-to-mix product, and ENC formulation technology really takes that up to another level um, and really broadens the window of, of products that we can blend this with Again, reduce those trips across the field, not only be more efficient from a nitrogen source, but from an application standpoint. Yeah, and of all times, this year, 22 is sizing up with the increased, I guess, cost of fuel. Growers really need to maximize those trips and having this ability to put uh, Coron Metra with the ENC formulation technology built in, making it a little more flexible uh, for fungicides and other herbicides uh, is a huge win for growers. Absolutely. Are there any lookouts that growers ought to be considered when they're looking at ENC or with uh, Coron Metra rather? No, you know, the flexibility of the product is why it has existed now for the, you know, the 20 plus years that we talked about. It's the ease of use. Um, you know, the thing that, that I would not necessarily caution there, but Coron Metro is best used to as part of a nitrogen management program or to supplement the program that you've already got in place. Um, routinely, we see... Um, you know, a lack of an upfront nutrient program sure. or really, and sometimes a real plan at all. And then we want to come in at the, you know, at the end of the day or the, you know, at the fourth quarter and try to save the crop with Coron. Sure. Coron's not designed to do that. Coron is designed to be used as part of a program or as a supplement to a program to, to really, you know, reach those yield goals that you that you you need to hit. Yeah, and I think I think you know this year's sizing up to be that. You know, as I mentioned in our opening, you know, depending upon where you're at um, in the country, I mean, everybody's got a little different growing situation. Um, and I know a lot of producers were probably trying to manage their nitrogen because of supplies, and and really just kind of wondering what crop am I going to really plant with Mother Nature, right? <laughs> um, but having uh, Coron Metra in your toolbox is a pretty powerful thing, and you know, not totally counting on it, but utilizing it as a tool Absolutely. for your nitrogen program. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you started off referencing, you know, abundant moisture and sometimes too much, you know, uh, two or three weeks ago was in Montana. Yeah. Um, abundant moisture is not in their vocabulary at this point in time. Sure. Um, but as they wait on those rains to come and some of them do come, the flexibility, the efficiency allows you to implement Coron um, if you do get that timely moisture when there's time, we can make a crop here. Um, get that product into the nitrogen management program that you've got um, and really fast, really efficient uptake of, of the nitrogen itself. Um, so it, there are multiple ways to use this within a system. Josh, you referenced, you know, fast uptake on, on average. You know, if I go to go out and spray Coron Metra here, how, how quick does it really get into that plant and, and I guess really start benefiting that crop? Right. So... We usually tell our, our customers, applicators, et cetera, that, mm-hmm. you know, you generally rain fast within one hour with okay. this product. From a actual nitrogen entering that plant, it's almost immediate. Okay. But as we formulate these products, um, for the most part, with a 
certain percentage of readily available nitrogen doesn't have to go through a breakdown or, or release uh, component is, is ready to be taken up through the leaf. So, so almost immediate, we begin feeding that plant. We've referenced control release nitrogen multiple times now. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? A portion of that total nitrogen within that product is available to that crop over a, over a given amount of time. Sure. Now that given amount of time is is really fed off of temperature, moisture, microbial breakdown, things like that. But we know that over a ten day to two week span, sometimes a little longer, that we are giving that crop an extended release of nitrogen in addition to that immediately available that is that is there when we apply it. Well, and, and I think that's really important to know that we're spreading that nitrogen, we're feeding that plant. We're feeding it over a period of Absolutely. time, but in a nice slow release. Um, and, and most importantly, it's it's fairly instant. So if growers are using, you know, tissue sampling as an example, our extractor program from the agrointelligence team, where the plant says, hey, I am hungry, I need nitrogen, Coron Metro is a pretty good solution for that. Coron Metro is an excellent solution there. And in a, a year such as this, and really from what we've seen when we really uh, – grew our tissue sampling program. Um, you know, I, I think we probably need to be doing that every year, regardless sure. of, of yeah. where our commodity and, and, and input prices are. Right. But addressing that need in season. So you go out, uh, you know, corn that's V4, V5, and, and you tissue sample and find that I need nitrogen. We can stop that gap. We can fill that gap with Coron Metro. From the time the applicator or the airplane ground rig hits the, the field and comes out of it. Mm. Um, commodity fertilizers have their place there. They sure. have their place. Yep. But we do know that there is a, a lag time before we're going to start getting nitrogen into that crop. And Coron Metro, we're immediate. You know, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, nitrogen is going to impact that crop, you know, with Coron Metro pretty quickly, uh, almost instantly. Uh, and we look at crops, we, we referenced, you know, high, a lot of moisture, you know. You mentioned Montana and the drought up there. I, I would say the same would apply for some of the more drought-stricken parts of the country, like uh, in maybe western Kansas, uh, in, in the panhandle of Texas, where they've missed out on a lot of rains with their wheat crop. But, boy, there's been a few things popping up, and Mother Nature and, and the weatherman's telling us, hey, we might have some of these rains. That could really take that crop to a different level. There has, and there's always there's always been the discussion of, of you know, when growing a crop, what is a drought? What is mm-hmm. dry? You know, right? And and the efficiency, the foliar uptake of Coron, um, the reality is, is that it, it performs actually really, really well, if not the best, in a drier situation. Okay. Compared to a you know a nitrogen that's in the soil. Because that nitrogen in the soil does depend on soil moisture to get in through those roots. Whereas Coron, we're going direct to the source, going right into the leaves. Um, But as you talked about, the rain showers Mm -hmm. popping up, some of the opportunistic things coming across the country from a moisture standpoint. Again, being ready ready and and, and able to address and get that crop back off growing um, with a nitrogen source is, is one of the places that Coron Metro really excels. Josh, we talked a little bit about, obviously, you mentioned corn, and we talked a little bit about wheat. But what other crops can utilize a product like Coron Metra? The unique thing with the Coron portfolio as a whole is it it, it came to Helena um, from the, the turf and ornamental side of the business. Oh, wow. Um, its primary use when it was brought to us was in, you know, lawn care organizations, sports mm-hmm. fields, 
um, you know, helping turf grass operators manage their, their turf grass in a more efficient manner. Um, so obviously we're still, still very heavily involved on the specialty side of our business from a, a lawn care turf and ornamental side of the business with Coron. Um, you think about out West, you go out West and, and think about wine grape producers, wine oh, grapes. Right. Uh, Metro is a great tool there as you're trying to manage nitrogen without lush vegetative growth. Uh, really looking at a smarter way to apply nitrogen on, on a high value crop such as grapes. Um, I know our, our agronomist out in California, Paul Kraut, mm-hmm. does a great job of implementing Coron Metro into his nitrogen and overall fertility program. You know, we've we've mentioned that a few times already. Sure. Yeah. Um, of course, the, the big acres. I think we've covered those pretty well. Right, you cotton, know. corn, cotton, soybeans, corn. Uh, all of them Cereal need nitrogen. Grains, absolutely, but you go into our leafy vegetables sure. and some of our fresh produce. You know, Coron, as as flexible it is, as it is in an operation, it has the same, you know, really limitless flexibility for our cropping and, and market system. You know, Josh, um, with that wide range of crops and especially – uh, some of the more specialty type of crops like the vegetables that you mentioned, it leads me to believe that this product's pretty safe for, you know, for the environment and obviously for the consumer. Absolutely. You know, so we've talked about, you know, bypassing some of those soil mechanisms that, that, that have, you know, soil chemistry that has mm-hmm. to take place for nitrogen to be broken down and taken up by the plant. We're going directly into the leaves. And, and we actually want an environment where Coron's touching nothing but those leaves because Coron hits the ground, it becomes nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, from a, you know, from being a, you know, a more environmentally conscious source of nitrogen, absolutely. Uh, and from a safety standpoint, whether it be from a, a crop response standpoint or a consumer standpoint, Coron Metro has, has a really, really safe source of nitrogen. Absolutely. Josh, uh, this is on top of almost all growers' minds right now. You can't turn on uh, the radio or TV or pick up a, a publication, and somebody's talking about supply chain. Josh, how does the supply look for Coron Metra for this growing season? <laughs> well, um, so we'll, we'll knock on wood here. We'll knock on wood, but but so far, so good okay. uh, on the Coron Metra side of things. Um, we have a very robust production platform across the country to really be able to service all the markets that we've mm-hmm. talked about before. We have to be geographically positioned very well across the country. Okay. And Helena has done a really, really good job of that um, on all sides from the technical production all the way through the, the blending operations that we have across the country. And uh, our people put a lot of pride into making sure that our customers um, know that they can can pull up to that that Helena location or, or customer location and, and source Coron. Yeah, and I think that's important. You you know, it goes back to those twenty three plus years of producing this product, and 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 you and your team having a, a really good handle along with the the team at the laboratory at the Helena Products Group to understand the procedures and instill that those uh, standard operation procedures are in place no matter if you're in Georgia or California or North Dakota it's uh, pretty much the same process is that accurate that, that, that is extremely accurate um, you know H- Helena really carries that mantra across all of our products mm-hmm. um, you know that I think it kind of started with our adjuvant business you okay know, we, we wanted our adjuvants in in California to to look handle and feel the same way that our adjuvants in Georgia did 
And we took that right in, you know, the, my predecessors took that right into our Coron business. And um, from a, a QA, QC standpoint, I, I rival anyone that, that sells a competitive type product to put as much time and energy and focus around making sure we're, we're are producing consistency. Um, I, I don't think we can be beat there. Well, that's exciting stuff, uh, Josh. Josh, I want to thank you for stopping into the studio today and visiting with us about Coron Metra and how uh, we can utilize Coron Metra for our nitrogen needs for this growing season. Thanks, Josh. Great, Bill. Thank you for having me. Now joining us from Nashville to uh, share some insight as it relates to the uh, grain markets is Jody Lawrence from the Strategic Trading Advisors. Jody, welcome to FieldLink. Hi, Bill. How are you doing today? Uh, we're doing really well. Uh, Jody, big reports just coming out from the USDA as it re- uh, relates to the planted acres. Uh, what did we learn from this uh, recent report? Well, the big one was that uh, given the opportunity Uh, we're reminded how quickly the U.S. farmer with the technology can put uh, put seed in the ground. And even though Mother Nature didn't didn't really cooperate for much of May. They were able to really put it in over the over the last ten days. And you've got the corn crop, uh, other than it's a little bit behind on emergence, and that has just as much to do with the cool weather as a little bit of the late planting. The emergence is behind five year average by about five percent, but we're right on average pace at eighty six percent of the corn planted with Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana. Uh, Illinois, all of them at or above, surprisingly, their, their five-year averages. So on corn planting at 86%, we've really kind of caught back up. And you can see the weakness. You've got December corn about 70 cents off the highs a couple weeks ago. You're trading back under $7 today, which is uh, which is a surprise and, dis- and disappointing. But you get the funds involved in how they want to hammer a couple things and they think they want to be selling corn and that's what they're doing. And certainly the charts don't look good. Uh, and uh, you're kind of, and the, the news coming out of Ukraine that if Russia decides to uh, do something strange, like actually live up to their word and cooperate and open up some, some humanitarian corridors for exports of corn and wheat from, uh, from, Ukraine, then you've really got something that uh, changes the dynamic. Does it change corn 10, 15% in price? I really don't think so because uh, we had several of these problems develop before that it was going to be tight. But when you look at uh, corn being swept under with wheat and vice versa, the grain sector has been really weak over the last two weeks, which uh, has as much to do with the U.S getting the crop in the ground, which was a major concern, as well as uh, a potential, but I still think very unlikely Russian change of heart on uh, the humanitarian uh, export corridors. Yeah, definitely a lot of volatility, really, uh, across the board in all those markets, driven by a lot of emotion, obviously, and, uh, you know, between the planning uh, situation. We're still, you know, uh, behind in some parts of the country, specifically the Dakotas, a little further behind. Uh, but, you know, they're making making some progress, it looks like. 
you uh, hit you hit the point, uh, and and I didn't mention beans, but beans are right on average, so no concern about beans at this point in their planting pace, and they should just about be finished over the course of the next week because the U.S. weather looks pretty good. The real issue that anybody's looking at is uh, you've got two and a half to three million acres of corn that's not yet planted in North Dakota and northern Minnesota. And they've already passed their first prevent plant date Mm -hmm. uh, as far as their insurance is concerned. And the way I understand it is that uh, each day you pass that date, the insurance payout that you could take begins to go down. So I think this week you're going to see a lot of information. Unfortunately for the markets, that's not real-time information. We find that out on a very delayed basis, who's taking prevent plant and who's not. But even if you lose a million and a half acres of corn, you're talking about over a quarter of a billion bushels potentially that uh, has to be figured in. And and was some of that priced in when corn was, you know, at, at, 720 to 740 absolutely uh so there is some adjusting being done here but the the biggest issue is the wet forecast and we're past the prevent plant dates for uh north dakota northern minnesota on corn also for spring wheat and canada and their major wheat production areas are just as far behind because they've been under the same wet and cool uh pattern uh, in Canada, as the, the Northern Plains have been in the U.S., well, certainly in the next week or two is really going to drive a, uh, you know, a, a lot of tough decisions for growers in that part of the country and and part of Canada for that matter. Uh, and, and you know, at the end of the day, it's certainly going to impact those uh, global markets. Uh, Jody, uh, tell us a little bit about a uh, lot of volatility also in the energy market. Uh, crude's uh, making some headlines here recently. Crude jumped and made a new contract high yesterday, right at 120 a barrel, and back to some of those 2008 uh, pre-bust uh, type levels, and that's largely on European Union. Uh, banning all Russian imports and the only oil they're going to get from Russia is what's left in the pipeline. And once they bleed that out, then they are going to be sourcing their energy and their oil from other sources. So it's uh, you've got crude uh, uh, up up again today, uh, back at about 116 to 117 dollars a barrel. Uh, and unfortunately, you've got uh, diesel continuing mm-hmm. to go through. You're up 17 cents today, not quite to yesterday's contract high, but when you're sitting at on a futures price of 410 a gallon, uh, everybody can feel the pinch from that that's listening to this podcast. Yeah, that uh, d- definitely the diesel is certainly impacting. I know there's been some recent studies uh, actually up in Canada um, talking about, you know, growers and, and, and you know, on-farm storage for diesel, which is very limited, you know, uh, across, you know, not just Canada, but also the U.S. Um, so the idea of, you know, buying now and storing it, 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 there just simply isn't that kind of storage. I think some of the studies said 25, uh, the average grower in Canada can hold up about 25% of their needs for the season. So that's not a lot of fuel if you really think about the entire year. Yeah, and you and you talk about uh, certainly EPA restrictions mm-hmm. and other things when you're dealing with that. And, you know, fortunately, uh, this is, you know, this 
the energy type problem and high prices like this are, you know, once every 10 to 15 year thing. So right. there's no point as one of my, uh, Farmers told me yesterday, there's no point building a church just for Easter Sunday. And that's right. why a majority of farmers just don't have the capacity to store more than that, because it is a lot of trouble right. and expense. Absolutely. And it's certainly, uh, you know, honestly, uh, it, it's a space that's always, you know, a lot of growers uh, probably don't you know, they pay attention to, but probably don't invest a lot of time into until you get into times like this. And uh, it's really certainly an area that they probably need to pay a little closer attention to over the next, uh, you know, several years. Absolutely. It's uh, because if Russia and this ends up being a protracted issue to where we have to source uh, world oil and, and hopefully uh, we'll see what happens with the elections and what happens in D.C., that there are some of the restrictions lifted that were put in by the current administration to open up the Keystone Pipeline and to put us more back in an energy independent situation to where our well-being and our inflation rate, we can have uh, more control over in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jody, uh, any updates uh, on the cotton market? Are we seeing any action in that space? Uh, cotton uh, has been really, really volatile lately. You look at old crop, and unfortunately, it's kind of gotten caught, thrown in with the grains because you had some really good Texas panhandle for the most part and Southern Plains cotton uh, rain that came in, and you, you've had uh, cotton drop. About mm-hmm. t- about twenty cents a pound uh, on old crop to one thirty six, but and you've got December new crop back under uh, one twenty, and uh, it, that's more of the, the the crop got a little better and a little larger potentially through that rain, and that's throwing uh, the markets into a little bit of chaos. It certainly doesn't mean this situation is over and that the crops made and we're going to have surplus cotton. It just means like everything else, we're caught up in some really, really volatile times. And when we're on the, uh, the edge of production shortfalls or small surpluses, like we are in the grains and beans and cotton and everything else, then, uh, we are in an eternal weather market now that we're sitting on June 1st. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly a lot of volatility, a lot of things, you know, impacting the markets right now. And uh, I guess our best advice is to stay close to your, uh, you know, tr- your trading advisors. Jody, uh, what's a good number to reach, uh, have folks reach out to you if they want to contact you? Uh, well, certainly uh, my cell is always the best. And with this, you can text or call 615-948-2378. Would love to hear some feedback from some of you. I've talked to uh, as many as I could and gotten emails and texts about how everything went in the ground. And I think uh, we're sitting in a much better uh, situation uh, than we were two, three weeks ago from a production standpoint, and the prices reflect that. So that's always the give and take that we have uh, this time of year. And then next week, we've got another a June update uh, from the USDA that I want to mention. It's going to be important because we're going to have, they're going to have to address uh, South America's crop. You'll get an update from CONAB. You'll, uh, they more than likely, very rarely do they change 
uh, the U.S. and uh, yield, but we may they may uh, give us a little bit of an acreage uh, update, just what they found out over the last month. So next week, the June USDA report always has a chance to add some volatility and move the markets. All right. Well, Jody, thanks for uh, the uh, commodity update uh, for this uh, session of FieldLink. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. And folks, if you want to reach out to Jody, feel free to give him a call at that number and uh, or contact your Helena representative to learn more and get his daily newsletter. Thank you, Jody. Thank you, Bill. Everybody have a good day. No matter the pest that you're faced with this growing season, there's a good chance that you will need an adjuvant to help make that pesticide perform at its optimal level. With us today to help better understand the differences between adjuvants and how to best pick the proper product for your crop is Katie Meesey, a brand manager for the Helena Products Group for our adjuvants section. Katie, welcome to FieldLink. Thank you, Bill. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Katie, um, you know, adjuvants are a really important part of crop production, and a lot of folks kind of overlook them because we get so caught up in, you know, this this herbicide, this insecticide. Um, so it's kind of that, you know, the, the, the quiet performer in the background. But before we start talking about adjuvants, Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your story? Sure. Uh, again, Katie Meese, I'm brand manager for our adjuvants here at Helena Products Group. I've worked for Helena since 2007. Uh, my background is um, in research. I started here doing uh, protocol design monitoring field tri- field plot trials mm-hmm. for uh, adjuvants, and at that time it was EPA-registered products. Uh, over the years, I've just really started to focus more on adjuvants okay. um, and have been doing uh, this brand manager job since 2019. Wow. So, Katie, as I understand it, there's really, I guess, three kind of categories of adjuvants. Help our listeners best understand, you know, the three types of adjuvants that may be out there in the market. So, uh, we try to keep it simple, right? There's actually multiple types of adjuvants, sure. but at least for today's purpose, we're going to um, we're gonna focus probably most on non-onic surfactants. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about oils, and then we're also going to talk about utility products. So utility products would be things like buffers, water conditioners, compatibility mm, okay. agents, tank cleaners, things like that. Well, you know, you look at labels, you hear, you know, references, hey, use a non-ionic surfactant. Um Help us understand what is really a non-ionic adjuvant. So non-ionic surfactants, we often refer to them as an NIS. Okay. Uh, They don't have any charge, right? So a lot of the pesticides um, that you could be pairing adjuvants with may have a charge or uh, anything really in your tank mix Mm -hmm. could possibly have a charge, right? So we're talking electrical charge here. Yes, talking <laughs> okay. about electrical charges. Um, but we we say that uh, opposites attract, right? Sure. So if your adjuvant or your surfactant that you've got in there has also got a charge to it, okay. they're, they may bind together with these other tank mix partners, mm-hmm. and that can create some real awful compat- incompatibilities. Those are the types of things you want to avoid. So the great thing about non-ionic surfactants okay. is that they don't have a charge. Um, so they're they're easy to work with. They've got uh, great wetting and spreading properties. Um, they're really going to help a droplet 
cover more over that leaf surface. Okay. You think about the different carriers that that our growers use mm-hmm. um, for their tank mix. You're you're looking at water, oils, fertilizers, um, and most commonly it's it's going to be water. And out right. of all of those, the probably the worst thing as far as surface tension and and spreading and coverage goes is going to be water. So that's a it's a great uh, pairing to have a non-ionic surfactant in there when right. the pesticide calls for it. And and the reason growers use that water is because hey, it's available. That's right. And it's pretty cheap for the most part as that's a carrier. Right. Yes. So having that nine, non-ionic surfactant is really really important. Yes. Uh, okay. Awesome. And t- tell us a little bit about oils. Well, you know, what's the power of I guess an oil? Oils are great because they uh, they provide a couple of different things. So they really help enhance absorption, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about a leaf surface, um, it's it's waxy, it's oily, right? Right. So if you've got a water-based solution, you're putting an oil in there, you're really helping that droplet act more like the, the leaf surface. You're going to help improve absorption. The other great thing about oils too is they really help with deposition um, and can also often be used as um, drift reduction aids. Sidewinder is an also oil-based product uh, that we that we offer mm-hmm. that's really great to use with fungicide applications. Okay. The great thing about Sidewinder is depending on the rate that you use, it could be uh, used as an MSO or a COC, so MSO it- methylated seed oil. Oil, okay, and then COC a crop will concentrate. Okay, okay. You you dropped a big word on me. Deposition. Tell yes. t- tell our listeners what is deposition. Deposition is important for getting your spray application, getting the droplet, what's actually coming out of the nozzle on its intended target. Right? Okay. So pesticides have to do they have to do quite a bit sure. in order to work. So they have to land where they're supposed to land. They have to hit their target. Right. Once they hit the target, they need to be absorbed through the leaf tissue and then accumulate on the site of action in a sufficient quantity in order to kill its 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 target. Um so it's it's got it's got a lot to do in order to right. work. Um, that's why adjuvants and surfactants are so important too. They're really helping overcome some of those barriers. But deposition is is one of those things that's important. It's important to get one on your on your intended target, and then also um, to get through the canopy, sir. Right. The canopy, right? To break through that. Area. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And, and and finally, I think you touched on it earlier. The third, I guess, category for today would be those utility type of uh, of, right. of, of products. So utilities, it's it's a pretty broad sure. category. When you talk about utility products, we're we're looking at um, uh, pH modifiers, buffering agents, uh, compatibility agents, um, water conditioners, tank cleaners. So it's a it's a pretty broad scope there with with those but they're very important mm-hmm. they're things that you don't really know that you need them sometimes until you actually need them right um, they're very important to have on hand but um yeah that that would be the third type we've got we have quite a few utility products in our adjuvant line so so broadly speaking and i, I know there's not a silver bullet for right. every crop every right. situation what kind of uh, adjuvants, surfactants should growers look for uh, when using, I don't know, maybe a herbicide? So that's a really good question. Um, 
adjuvant selection mm-hmm. can be really confusing. Right. Um, there are just, there's so many different types that are out there. Um, a lot of times what I'm going to recommend first off is look at your pesticide label. Um, what does your pesticide label recommend? Is it saying that you need deposition enhancement? Is it saying that you need to add a non-surfactant? Does it say you need to add an oil like an MSO or a COC? Um, is it giving you any watch outs? Don't mix this product with this mm-hmm. product. Um, so I say go to the label first, look and see that's what it's going to recommend, yeah. right? Because every that's, product's different. It is. And yeah. so that's why we can't always say there's one perfect adjuvant mm-hmm. to fit everything. There's too many different application scenarios. Um, if you look across the country at all of the different sure. crops, even for turf and for specialty, the things uh, the variability between all of those, there is no adjuvant that's going to cover everything. Right. There's just, it's, there's just too, it's too different. Katie, you know, we referenced labels and, and, you know, it's important to know, you know, what is said on the label for, you know, some of the chem- chemistries, the pesticides uh, that we may be utilizing, but it's equally important to understand the label on the adjuvant. Is that accurate? That's correct. Um, so the important thing to remember about adjuvants that a lot of people don't know is that their their inert ingredients are not standardized. Mm-hmm. The EPA does not regulate them. The states, however, can regulate them if okay. they choose. Um, there's a handful of states um, that that do regulate them. Most recently, Maine and Maryland, I believe, have been okay. added to that okay. list. Um, but basically, what that means if if they're not regulated, then the the adjuvant manufacturer themselves, they can claim anything that they want that their product mm. does, right? Okay. Um, and they don't have to prove it in order to put that on their label. Um, Helena, on the other hand, um, we thoroughly test our adjuvants. Sure. We know what they're capable of doing, what they're not capable of doing, and we make sure that the inert ingredients that we're claiming on there are of the best quality. Um, but you know that if you've got a Helena adjuvant or a Helena surfactant, mm-hmm. what you're reading on the label, it's it has been uh, proven. Yeah, and I think that's important. And a lot of that reasoning is because you referenced some of these states require uh, that, you know, we disclose that information or we go through certain yes. testing processes. And Helena being a national organization, we distribute those products yes. pretty much everywhere right. across the U.S. It's important to note, too, I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought up the label mm-hmm. thing. Um, a lot of adjuvants do more than one thing. Okay, yeah. Um, we've got, we've Sure. Progressed into multifunctional adjuvants now, right? Yeah. Um, referring back to the label and seeing what what are the different functions that an adjuvant can provide, and going back and reading that, following what the use rate recommendation is for that specific product. Wow. So, really, we all understand that there's really no one specific adjuvant uh, for herbicides, but if there were, if there were one, right, that could you know sit in the shed and cover a lot of our needs, you know, what 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 kind of, I guess, product or brand would we be looking at? Right. So Dynamic is a really great product. Okay. Um, I like to think of it as being pretty versatile. Um, it's, it's great for, say, as we come up uh, in the coming weeks, we've mm-hmm. got, we know that a lot of insecticide applications are going to be going out. Sure. Dynamic is a great thing to pair with insecticides. Okay. Um, also, you think about fungicide applications that are going to be coming this summer. Um, Dynamic's great to go with those too. Uh, We've also got, um, if you want to talk about Mm -hmm. oil-based products, we've got a product called uh, Penetrator Plus. So it's a a crop oil, but it's also got a non-onyx surfactant built into it. And it has a uh, 
buffering agent. Sure. So it's going to help. A lot of times, pesticide, most pesticides perform optimally at a lower pH. Um, important. It's important to include buffers in their right. uh, pH modifiers so that they will help with poor water quality problems. Um, another another product that we use often with fungicides um, is a product called Sidewinder. Okay. Sidewinder is really great. Based on the rate that you're going to use, it may perform like a COC or it can perform like an MSO. Um, also great for fungicide applications is a, a sticker product that we've got mm-hmm. called Cohere. Um, Cohere is great and very safe to use, um, putting out on uh, fruits and vegetables. Okay. Oftentimes it, it's applied uh, a lot in, in the southeast regions. Okay. Um, and then as for utility products, again, we have just a number of number those. Number of them, right. Yes. Um, but we've got products like Blendex VHC. So if you're having a compatibility issue using something like that, um, looking at water conditioners, we've got products called uh, Quest and Request. We have activators. Um, we've got a really great product called Smoke. Smoke, Used yeah. a lot with herbicide applications. Okay. Um, and even, I know I had mentioned Dynamic too, mm-hmm. but Dynamic's really important too for our uh, uh, turf specialty and ornamental folks. Okay. They pair that a lot with their herbicides, um, really trying to get the best uh, nut sedge control that they sure. can get. And, you know, Katie, as I'm listening to you talk about these brands and these products, long story short, there's a lot of brands that we have in the Helena portfolio. And yes. as I'm listening to you, there's really not a silver bullet. One That's shot right. covers it all. That's you, right. And I think it comes back to really understanding what's your goal. Uh, what what are you trying to do? What crop are we working with? Yes. And uh, working with your Helena representative to best and identify what also works best in your geography. That's exactly right. So our our goal is to help provide inputs to increase the grower's return, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what our Helena sales reps do. That's what they're going to help with. They're going to help make the best recommendation for you. And that includes um, putting an advent in your tank. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, our, our tagline is what's in your tank. And I think that's really, really important to, for growers uh, to really understand what is inside their tank. And it all goes back to that label, uh, understanding exactly what herbicide or insecticide or fungicide, whatever it may be, uh, what they have in the tank, and then really matching that up with the right product yes. for their market. That's it. That's exactly right. And again, I can't stress the importance enough, again, of, of those Drift and deposition agents. Sure, yeah. Um, I know that the focus for the last couple of years has so much of it has been on um, over the top auctions, right? And a lot of people forget too that uh, it's important in general to be including those in your tank. Um, Say grounded, for example, is Mm -hmm. one of our oil based products. A lot of people often think of grounded as being used with pre emergent herbicides. Sure. And they forget that grounded can can be a great deposition agent. Okay. So, again, you know, uh, an adjuvant uh, a lot of times can have multiple uses, and really understanding the overall picture is really, really important. And again, it keeps coming back to the working with that local representative to best. You know, That's ask right. a lot of questions because we, how, how many products do you have in your portfolio, roughly? Oh, between in the adjuvant portfolio. Yeah, that whole in your portfolio. But, but 80, between 80 and 90. Yeah, and, and that's why I say it's really tough to say here's one or two products that, boom, right. it'll do it all. It, it, it doesn't work that way. 
if there were one specific market type, then yeah, we, we might be able to get by with that. But right. you know, in the US it's it's there's just so many different crops, application scenarios, equipment even for that matter. It's just yeah, it's exactly you can't right. just have one. Yeah. And you you know, we equipment, uh, to your point, you know, whether it's aerial or whether it's hand application or, you know, running through it with a, you know, a custom sprayer, lots of different needs and foggers and so forth. So that's right. Awesome. Um Katie, what's what's new? What's what's kind of new in in the adjuvant industry right now? Uh, I understand that uh, you know lots lots of things are happening. Is there anything new that you'd like to share with us? Nothing I can tell you as of right now, at least yeah. on Helena's behalf. Okay, but there's just there's been um, there there are things coming down the pipeline. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay, for us. some exciting news coming down the road. Yes, there stay are tuned. That are right, coming. yes, <laughs> but in general, I think. Um, there are organizations say um, CPDA. We we're members. Okay. We just went to that meeting it, it, last. CPDA. What what is CPDA again? Uh, CPD is the CPDA is the Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology. Okay. They're a really important group. They um, sure. have tried to make a big focus and a big push um, a, an education about adjuvants in the last oh, couple of years. Okay. Um, the and, and that's a group Education of the is, industry. Yes. It's beyond Helena. It, I mean, we're certainly yes. very involved in it, but, you know, all of the competitors, many of the competitors yes. are out there. Okay. It's just it, a coalition, been, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Been trying to stress the importance of adjuvant mm -hmm. use and how critical that it can be. Um, I think it's important to remember often that the, the, cost of not adding sure. an adjuvant to your tank mix, um, is your pesticide going to work or not? Is it going to fail? Right. Is it going to cause you to have to do a respray? Right. The time that you have to take in order to do that, if you had included an adjuvant in your mm -hmm. tank, um, it's it's maybe it's money that you're going to pay up front, but in the long yeah. run, it's going to save you. Well, I think that's a good point, especially, you know, as we hear all of the noise right now with, you know, supply chain issues, which are real in some, ca some cases. Yeah. Um, you know, we may may have enough supply to do you know one good application across your field, right? And and what I'm kind of hearing you say is, Bill, do a good job of understanding your product, what right. it needs for uh, an adjuvant, and and pick the right one and do it right the first time. You are spot on. That's exactly right. Okay, because there may not be enough supply to do it a second time. May not retreat. be enough supply or, or time or time, yeah, yeah, or money, right? Or money. That's right. <laughs> so do it, do it right the first time. And 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 it sounds like CPDA is doing a pretty good job of uh, that coalition of uh, really uh, having a presence for for you know growers really at the end of the day to support and make sure you know everybody's kind of playing on the same playing field is is what I'm hearing. Yes. Awesome, and. Um, Katie, you know, um, as far as supply generally, we talked about supply for 22. Is, is there any lookouts that growers need to be thinking about? I mean, any shortages across the country in, in any of these spot, these products? Yes. Um, obviously, glyphosate's been talked sure. about quite a bit. Um, right. uh, and it's going to come down to if, if you're not able to get, you know, what you normally are used to getting, right. um, you've got options that are out there. You may have to to change your program approach mm -hmm. just a little bit, but it's going to be important, at least in my mind, having a program approach first sure. of all, right? Um, making sure that you're you're putting something down from the get-go, you're going to get some good residual control, right. and then having a good plan moving forward, and that includes adding an adjuvant to your tank mix. Right, yeah, and I think, uh, I, again, I, I keep 
probably hammering on that a little bit, but having that right adjuvant for that right specific right. application is critical. Another important piece to that right. is with with these supply chain shortages. Sure. Um, how many how many people are going out and checking their water source mm-hmm. beforehand? Do they have issues with pH? Do they have hard water? They have high levels of dissolved magnesium or calcium. Do they have high levels of iron? Knowing something ahead of time like that and and being able to determine what is the best water conditioner that you're going to put. Again, water conditioners, mm-hmm. we're talking about utility products. Knowing something like that ahead of time, it's an inexpensive thing right. to test and yeah. can can save you a lot of compatibility issues or loss mm-hmm. in pesticide efficacy if you're doing that on the front end. It's, it's really critical. Uh, you know, uh, we, we've had some former guests here uh, talking about AquaLens from Agri-Intelligence, yeah. and this is a great tool uh, for growers to have their water tested. And, and I'm an advocate too, Katie, to have it tested maybe a couple times throughout the season because depending upon the source, if you're using groundwater, that groundwater can slightly change from time to time, depending upon the aquifer, uh, you know, and where that water's kind of coming from. So it, to your point, it's a cheap test, another sense of security to yes. ensure that not only is the adjuvant performing, but is the herbicide performing for that crop or the the insecticide in this case or, or a fungicide? Um, I hear a lot of growers say, well, I just got, I got it from the town, town tap, you know, the town water. Right. Well, I don't know. I've lived in a lot of places across the country, and town water can be very different from New York to Nebraska and, and down to Memphis. Uh, I can assure you that. It can, and from region to region, from state to sure. state. Um, it it's Again, is it's an inexpensive, easy thing to do on the front end, um, uh, and utilizing um, programs like Aqualens, things mm-hmm. that are being offered out there that can help you determine what is the best right. utility product uh, in, to use to get the most out of your application. And clearly here uh, at Helena, we have several of those utility products to help adjust that we water. We have a few, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to, to help us best understand. <laughs> and you get to manage all of them. That's great. Yes. <laughs> but uh, And again, it comes back to working locally with your local Helena representative to learn uh, more what your best fit is there. And Katie, as we kind of wrap things up here on today's uh, episode of FieldLink, um, do you have any last minute thoughts for growers? Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I want to throw a reminder out there. Um, we always want to warn, don't add any adjuvants that aren't recommended on the mm-hmm. pesticide label. Um, they can often cause antagonisms. They may reduce pesticide af- efficacy. Mm. It's important to go back and read your pesticide label. What adjuvant is it recommending or what adjuvant is it not recommending? Um, again, Helena, we're going to continue to try to innovate. we Everybody is trying to do more with sure. less, and never has that been more apparent to us probably than than in the last six months to a year. Um, right. But we will continue to be adjuvant industry leader. Uh, we're going to continue to educate our folks and create awareness about the importance of adjuvant use. Well, Katie, Katie Macy, uh, brand manager for the uh, for adjuvants for uh, Helena's Products Group. Um, Katie, thanks for joining us today Thank here you. on Field Link. Yes. 
We want to thank all of our guests uh, today for joining us here on FieldLink, and we want to thank certainly all of our listeners. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at HelenaAgra.com to get the latest FieldLink information and insight to help you produce a more profitable crop. Be sure to join us next time when we have a strong focus on wheat production as well as range and pasture information from our specialists here at Helena. 